We're here for the home stretch. I'm Holly and I'm joined, of course, by Ian McKenzie and the lovely Christian Byfield. Hello, Christian. Say hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, guys. Hey, Dem. Um, so we've got you on our podcast really off the back of probably the Esther's event where we saw you um, a few weeks ago. So first off, congratulations, I guess. I hear that base property specialist walked home with a few awards, didn't you? Yeah, it was it was it was a good day. I mean, we've we've had a long-standing relationship with the Esters. It's been quite a core part of what we sort of aspire to do as an agency for the last sort of 10, 12 years. Um and we've had some we've had some amazing successes over the years. And uh yeah, we were we were frustrated last year to to only to only walk away with a with a silver and a bronze last year. So we'd we'd really sort of set our sights on on getting at least one of those back to gold. Um, which was really like our core ambition. So, so yeah, we were blown away because we. It gets tougher every year, that that competition, and and I think we're partly to blame for for that. But yeah, it gets tougher every year in terms of everyone keeps up in their game, but also more and more agents keep joining the fold. Um, you know, uh, like and it was great and terrifying to see the likes of Paramount join this year and and other agents which I admire up and down the country um so yeah you know we we'd set our sights on getting a gold but we knew it was it was going to be really tough so yeah to walk away with two golds and and another grand prix award was amazing i think the thing yeah. i love the thing i love about the um the s's christian two twofold actually is that number one it's actually proper customer feedback which i think is just huge and number two, from a ownership and management and just cultural perspective, you don't just start just before the awards, do you? It's actually part of your business for the entire year, and it's about customer care and and so what better? That's it. I mean, yeah, exactly that. It's it's fun. The myth it is it is driven entirely by reviews, and yeah, so that means you you can't get away with dropping the ball. It's got to be consistent, and and. The margins between success and failure, you know, I mean, I, over the years, I've had many candid chats with people that we just get pipped by or we we beat them to an award one year. And I mean, we, we're talking point point something of difference, yeah. you know, with, with most of the winning agents in there sitting in the 97, 98, even 99 percent satisfaction ratings across well, an okay. entire that's year. That's OK, isn't it? I mean, if you if you're putting to win the Ryder Cup and you miss the putt, you don't win the Ryder Cup. It's yeah, isn't it? good problems. And I think I've, I've always said to the team, it's nice for us to win things, but our objective is, because the great thing with the S is that dashboard that you can see, you can see your lifelong score and your annual scores. And we keep tally of our scores every year. We've got our scores going back seven, eight, nine years. Um, and the only thing we say to the team is if we can keep nudging that percentage up, that's all we can do. All we can do is try and be that little bit better each year. We compete with ourselves, and we can't, control what what someone else does but we can just try and be that little bit better each year i am delighted to say that the guild won the best network in the uk not really surprised i mean you know i've got a lot of friends within the guild network and yeah. I, I mean i can't remember the last time i i heard a bad or even mediocre word said i mean you know guild membership tends to come with a lot of passion and loyalty and you know i hear a lot of people speak about it with a lot of pride quite frankly not, not anyway not thank you for, thank you for that let's talk about you so for those of you listening <laughs> on the podcast uh, the first time I remember seeing you Christian was when you went up on stage uh, in your full Viking outfit which I then found out that was a charitable 
a charitable thing that you're doing, which is incredible. So um, you are the sector's resident Viking. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's others, but you're the one that stands out for me. Um, and for those that can't see this video, you've got a uh, you've got your infamous square glasses, which suit you remarkably. Beautifully <laughs> coloured shirt on. My shy and my shy and demure. Yeah. Fashion sense. And well, I think I think we're rocking parrots today. We're rocking hey. rocking macaws. You know, bring a bit of summer to to uh, the back end of October. Loving it. <laughs> it does suit you. Anyway, we want to talk about you today. So, um, just a brief sort of intro into what got you into the into this sector in the first place. What you've learned along the way, and then of course I really want to know about the depository, which is the um, additional business that you've got. So, look, I think I think like a lot of people. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people set out with a career ambition of being an estate or letting agent. I think unless you grow up in a family where you have family involved in it, I don't, I don't know many people who set out from day dot as a career ambition to be an estate or letting agent. So I think like many, I fell into it. I, yeah. I originally trained as a professional stage actor, um, spent three years at performing arts school, learning that, and then came out and worked as an actor for two years and hated every single minute of it hated being a professional actor it's do you horrible. remember the tv show you might be too young do you remember the tv show whose line is it anyway oh, i used to love it with clive anderson as the host yes and they used yeah. to chuck props to the experts didn't they and they used to have to improvise i used to run a monthly sales evening uh, for my negotiators and and sales team and we used to do that absolutely we do we would chuck them a prop and they'd have to come up with it and i found that the agents are actors because they were almost as good as the people that are on the tv show well see, you've got to be a communicator right you've got to be able to kind of hold yourself together when things don't quite go to plan or you turn up to a property and things aren't quite as expected you've got to be able to retain that sort of composure um i'm sure there are there are consumers out there that would have a slightly slightly more interesting a reason of why actors and estate agents are well entwined but um you know that's that's really where it lost me is that you know it needs to be fresh it needs to keep moving and that was ultimately what drove me to look elsewhere yeah um and 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 purely by chance ended up falling into lettings you know I was sort of stumbling around figuring out what I wanted to do I'd, I'd already racked up student debt training as a as a actor so I didn't want to go back to uni and and double the negative bank balance again so it was really what can I go and do that I've got some element of interest in and there is a reasonable opportunity of reasonable earnings uh, within a relatively short period and yeah it turned out that there was a recruitment company around the corner from where I lived they had a negotiator role in the window went in, had a chat, learned about the role, didn't actually get that job because um, they needed someone with a driving license. And I, living in London, I didn't even have a driving license at the time. Um, but that sparked the interest. And I went off sort of fishing around and found this company that was basically looking to hire their first employee. They'd been running for about 18 months, a bit like Anne and I, two founder partners. They'd built the business up for 18 months and we're looking for their first hire. Um, and, you know, we we got on like a house on fire and they were like, look, don't worry about the driving license. We'll pay for you to do a CBT course. We'll buy a motorbike scooter and job done. That's all you need in London. Zip around on the scooter. That will get you everywhere you need to do. And that was that. And um, never really looked back. It's It was 
I loved it from day dot. It's, oh. it's been really fun. And I and I found myself drawn to the letting side of the business. So, you know, typically in our business, people are traditionally drawn one way or the other. And actually a lot of my career, I actually did do both. I did juggle lettings and sales, but lettings was always where my interest and my passion was. And it was, I liked how clean and instant it was. And the fact that you have more or less total control over whether that deal happens. It's, you know, usually if a a deal very rarely falls out of bed and usually if it does, it's because you've not put something in place to make sure that happens. So, um, so yeah, loved it. And, and, and never really looked back from there. Um, And it was, you know, moving on from there to my second job. um, That was where I met and my business partner and, Yeah, who's and we're very amazing. She's incredible. She yeah. is currently sunning herself, I think, somewhere in Israel at the moment. She's uh, on one of her annual cruises. She's back in the office on Monday, hence why, yeah. as I said to you guys earlier, I've got my little sprog crawling around the office at the moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> never a dull moment at Base HQ, that's for sure. New negotiator in town. So, um, what did you learn? What, what have you learned in in the world, the lettings arena? So I think before starting base, we learn we learn a lot of how not to do things. Um, I think actually to be fair, so so we worked for two companies. I talked about the first company I worked for. They were great in terms of one of the founders was a very successful former branch manager for Foxtons, so had that core sort of sales machine DNA drilled into her, um, and they taught me that hunger you know this, this was a, before a lot of the tech I mean I remember this is the days of find a property uh, when they were sort of the king portal and right move was a fledgling and and all this sort of stuff um, and you know we all used to work out of applicant boxes um, which in many ways I know a lot of people share this sentiment maybe that kind of delivered a better service than some agents give nowadays but um but yeah, I mean, they really taught me sort of core, the core DNA of, of how to be an effective, hungry agent. Um, and actually, my my career with them ended, you know, unfortunately, I ended up, she had quite a nasty motorbike accident out on my scooter one day. Um, and because they were so young, I was I was out for three, four months. Um, wow. And they simply couldn't have the business just sit stagnant whilst, you know, so unfortunately, they replaced me. Um, as they had to do and by the time I was better there wasn't there wasn't really capacity in the business for me so that that led to me going and finding another job which I took down on the Isle of Dogs which is where I met my now business partner Anne and I spent a year in that business pretty much learning everything about how not to run a lettings agency you know that that business actually ended up really being a criminal enterprise um we we left before everything really hit the wall but it was yeah it was you know there was there was a lot of cloak and daggers in the way the business was run there was our sort of flagship sales office where we had the most amazing team um and we did amazing work and then the business was split with everything back office happening in a in a separate building about half a mile away um and that's where all the dodgy stuff happened and that's where deposits got stolen and rent went missing and contractors didn't get paid and um yeah we we literally saw the the worst the best and the worst like I said the team that we had in our office was amazing and I joined as a negotiator and six months in ended up becoming branch manager Anne and I 
bonded uh, initially with me working as a neg over over very similar values you know we we felt landlords were generally shortchanged it was kind of what uh, uh, what's the least we can do to get paid attitude back then um and tenants i mean my god the way landlords were treated was was champagne breakfast compared to the way tenants were largely treated um back in sort of 2002 um where tenants were and and in some companies still are are treated like some sort of inconvenient nuisance that should just be yeah uh, uh, treated any way that that fits the business and and not them and and Anne and I bonded very much over this belief that landlords deserved more and tenants deserved a radically different experience um but what struck us was working in a company where the landlords were getting an appalling service and I was often talking to landlords who were missing two or three months of rent but were still surprisingly loyal to the business um and that's really what gave Anne and I the faith to start base was you know we had this kind of light bulb moment of if this is how loyal clients are when they're treated like absolute dirt what will a client be like if they're treated if you give them the best service um and that's really been the foundation of what we've done it's always been about delivering what we feel is the best service and trying to address what we personally feel if it was us experience that service as a landlord or a tenant, what would we want? And and trying not to default into those sort of standard and common excuses for things of this is how it's always been done. This is how the industry always does it, you know, and really trying to be honest with ourselves and being like, well, yeah, everyone does do it that way. But why? You know, this this landlord frustration or this tenant frustration is legitimate. If I was in their shoes... I would find that bloody frustrating. And wh- why do we do this this way or make people do X, Y, Z? And, and, and often if you, if you're candid with yourself, the reason is there is, there is no reason. It's, it's just been adopted year after year from business to business. And there is no genuine necessity to do things that way. And like I said, that, that's what gave us the faith. We, we felt that if we could go off and, you know, build it bit by bit, but always coming back to the, the customer experience, the journey, the service standards. If we underpinned everything with that, everything else would kind of fall into place. And that, that links into the depository, doesn't it? Because it, that's about customer experience. So could you high overview, elevator pitch, first of all, what, it, what the depository actually is and does, and then we'll go into some detail after that. So, so for agents, what we do at the depository is we we streamline the tenancy conclusion process. So everything that happens after notice is given or received through to a deposit refund or a tenancy dispute, we try and automate as much of that as we can and also to extract data through integrated partners. So um, on average, a tenant, uh, sorry, on average, an, an agent spends about three man, three to four man hours per tenancy undertaking that process agents using our platform typically do that in about 10 to 15 minutes so it's it's about a 90 percent reduction in admin but it wasn't just about that um what we also wanted to do from that consumer's perspective and particularly looking at the tenant is it was it's one of the worst experiences for tenants is this thing of like partly through ignorance you know tenants don't go out and educate themselves on the laws that protect them and the processes and everything else um but also a lot of them do get treated poorly and it takes a long time to get deposits back and they don't understand the process so 
what we wanted to give to tenants was a bit of clarity, a bit of understanding of what is involved. Because I think in a tenant's simple mind, I give notice, I move out, you give me my deposit back. What's difficult about that? And actually, there's a lot, there's a lot of mechanics that that make all of that happen. There's a lot of stages. So we wanted to give transparency to that process, which is what our platform does. It puts it on a, a line or a wheel um, yeah. to sort of work your way through. Um, but also we wanted to try and help speed things up so uh, the average deposit in the uk is according to the three deposit scheme sits at around 22 days to be returned um our objective was we wanted to try and get as close as possible our clients hitting 10 days or less which i think when we started people thought was farcical um we currently our average client returns a deposit in 14 and a half days so we're currently a third faster than the national average um and we've had we've had an amazing case study recently. So um, Haslam's, which is an amazing independent agent in Reading, um, they recently joined us three months ago, very much looking to solve this problem. Looking at their business internally, it was the biggest source of complaints within the business was coming specifically from tenants and specifically relating to the end of tenancy and deposit return process. Um, they only adopted us three months ago. In that time, their deposit return times have gone down. They, they just did a review a couple of days ago. Um, their deposit return times have gone down by 68%. Wow. Um, and half of their team are returning the deposits in 10 days or less. Um, and they've already seen the complaints have almost vanished. Um, and they've already had two or three tenants specifically post a glowing review primarily because of the experience they had moving out and getting their deposit back. So real validation of what we've built, um, but also validation of, of when an agent adopts a product and, and commits to adopting that product properly. You know, what's been really nice is you can, we, we do quite a lot of reporting within our platform. So you can literally see if you're a bigger operation, you can see it at branches, but you can drill right down to individual users and you can see on an individual basis how they're performing in terms of number of deposit return days, what percentage they achieve of the proposed deduction. So what the original proposed amount is and what percentage they finally agree of that. Um, again, Aslan's, I think they've got one member of staff at 100%. Um, and second place, they've got two staff sitting at about 97%. So, A, we're bringing clarity to an agency where agency didn't have a view of that data set, but they've now put those results as part of their monthly performance review with their property managers. So, you know, not only have they embedded our platform in their business, they've, they've literally made the, the results that we generate through our platform one of the key performance measures of their property managers really exciting but that that that's exactly what we're here to do you know save time make tenants happy make them engage and love and value the brand that they're dealing with you know we we have no ego with depository we don't need or want landlords or tenants to really know who we are they tend to figure out who we are but but that's not why we're here for as far as we're concerned it's all about the agent we want to make agents look better and look awesome and help them do that easier um so i'm interested to know what the kind of what the future holds for the depository what are you have you got anything in the kind of in the works anything in the pipeline coming up so you're big on your prop tech aren't you 
Yeah, so look, I've, I've I've been a huge advocate of prop tech within our industry for a long time now. I mean, we we started as an agent, we started really placing tech at the core of what we do probably a good 12, 14 years ago. Um, you know, I think I think it's really important as an agent you understand what problems you're trying to solve. There is a lot of prop tech out there. My God, you look at 14 years ago, you probably had 50 products to choose from. You know, there's 400 plus products out there now. It's 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 staggering and bewildering and overwhelming if you don't know what you're trying to achieve. Um, at the same time, you know, a frustration for supplier is if you're trying to reinvent your business, it takes time. You, you can't just walk out and go, oh, awesome. There's five products that I know every major agent, every good agent I admire uses. I'm just going to plug those five in and tomorrow I'll walk into a better business. No, you know, I, I've, I've said a lot. You, you should treat PropTech like a new member of staff. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't hire someone in a new role in the business and literally have them slink in quietly one day and sit in the corner and not tell anyone who they are and not, you know, restructure the business around this new role and introduce them to everyone else. And it's very much the same with PropTech. You know, PropTech is there to make a change, but no PropTech is going to literally switch on and transform your business overnight. So the right PropTech adopted in the right way can can transform a business um but you've got to pick it right and you've got to make that commitment to embed it you you need to have that discipline to come back to it once every six months even if it's once a year come back have a look because good products will evolve i love the analogy treating proptech like a new member of staff continuing that analogy if you if you got your new member of staff in and you trained them and inducted them and they actually started doing quite well after a given period you wouldn't then not talk to them for six or 12 months, would you? That's it. That's it. Exactly. Right. You, you kind of you let them run a little bit, but then yeah. you come back to them and it's like, yeah. what's next? How can we yeah. get that extra two or three percent performance out of you? What skill set do you have, which in prop tech would be a setting or a feature that we're not utilizing, that we're not properly making the most of? I think it's Perry Power that once said to me, the, the even better if scenario yeah it would be even better if we did this yeah i love Perry. great philosophy for any any company to have within their within their culture which is even better if and i think you know that's our attitude with the depository is you know i've i've we've used products and i've spoken to agents up and down the credit who've signed up with products and what they get at the start is great you know it does exactly what it says on the 10 it's brilliant three years later that product is exactly the same as it was and two new products have come into the space and they've blown them out of the water yeah. and it's frustrating. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've always, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist in, in what I do commercially. You know, we always said from day dot, we were going to be, we were going to keep investing, keep evolving, keep listening to our agents. What do our agents want? And, you know, we're lucky, but agents ourselves get it. There's not, I can't think of the last time an agent brought us something and, they, and we were sat there going, I why would you want that? You know, pretty much whenever an agent raises a feature request, we understand the sort of reasoning behind that. And we just have to balance out what our pipeline of plans are yeah. and what's going to deliver the greatest benefit to the greatest number of clients. Um, but, you know, we've been live now more or less three years. I think we've rolled out something like 600 updates since we launched the platform. 
you know and, and that can be anything from just tweaking a little text box to changing the the profile of a button to make it easier to find easier to click on to new settings new features you know new partners that we're that we're adding in and that's that's constant i mean we've we've already got sort of the next six months of development planned and some of that is new products and features we've got i mean we've got some exciting things in the pipeline in a couple of weeks we're sort of rolling out an enhancement to our utility area where we'll be gathering a lot more data around that side of things suppliers and final bills um hopefully towards the end of november we should be rolling out the ability for agents to release part of the deposit earlier in the process um, we've got a few agents who like to use that to kind of help negotiations. If they feel negotiations get a bit stagnant and stuck, they like to be able to say, well, do you know what? How about we give you 500 quid back now to nurture things along? And what I find fascinating as an agent is I think like most agents, that felt counterintuitive to me. I think most agents take the standpoint, and I'll be honest, this is how we do. Mate, you want the rest of your deposit back, you better hurry up and get the negotiations finished because once they're finished, we can give you the rest of your money back. What is fascinating in this industry is when you deal with people, actually what you think might put you at risk actually earns you a lot more trust and faith from the other ends. We've, we've had several agents ask for that, one of which is Paramount, very well known, very well respected in our industry and for good reason. You know, and so yeah, we we've we've got that coming out towards the end of November. Um, it, does make, it does make perfect sense. So I'm listening to an Audible book. Uh, Chris Voss never negotiate the difference, and he's an ex CIA hostage negotiator. Wow. And you, think, and you think about you think about the philosophy of that. They often negotiate. Why don't you let certain number of the hostages go as a just as a gesture of good faith? Um, so. It, you know, you think about it, that that's already it's a known principle in terms of the psychology of, of negotiation and communication. Look at it. It works well. I mean, you know, when 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 first lockdown hit, when COVID hit and first lockdown hit, I think like many managing agents up and down the country, Anna and I braced ourselves for what was a terrifying, the terrifying unknown. You yeah. know, we were facing at that very early period, we were facing the very real prospect that a large chunk of our tenants might not have any income in the yeah. next few months to, yeah. to make ends meet. But I think, you know, in that same ilk, we, we had a discussion and, I, and we weren't on the same page to begin with, um, but we got there quite quickly, um, was that I think within 24 hours of lockdown being announced, we put out um, an email to our entire tenant database saying, don't worry about it big things are happening right now. So if you can't pay your rent or you don't think you can pay your rent, pick up the phone, give us a call. You know, again, we were very candid in saying that we can't promise you anything because every landlord is different. That initial thing was, oh my God, you can't do that because people will take advantage. People will go, oh, they're a soft touch. We can, we can just tell them we're struggling and they're going to let us off paying our rent. But again, it was that counterintuitive, oh, they, they genuinely care. They're genuinely there to listen yeah. um you know and, and we ended up navigating covid yes we did some payment deferments and blah 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 but I, I don't think we came out of it with any rent arrears there's a nice line that you made me think of when you're talking about the people taking advantage is never never confuse kindness with weakness and again that's just a nice principle isn't it if anybody wants to find out more about the depository what it does how it works uh how it could benefit their company 
how do they get in touch so get in touch uh have you guys want we're very active in social media go to our website at the depository.com uh depository ends a-r-y not o-r-y <laughs> um but go on there you there's candy links you can book in a demo reach out to i mean really any which way you guys want to make contact we're a pretty friendly bunch um and that we normally we can book in a demo with people to take place within 48 to 72 hours um and if you like what you see you know we're typically onboarding clients within a few days of them doing the demo we don't have a one two three month waiting pipeline um you know we're also very keen about being agents ourselves there are certain things i don't like the way certain suppliers facilitate contracts so that we don't have set up charges um so it's, you know there's we've tried to make it as low friction as possible um but yeah typically if you like what you see on a demo um then we can usually get you up and running within a week we'll pop links in um when we promote the podcast we'll pop links in to the depository so you guys can go and check that out hopefully book a demo but yeah thank you so much for joining us today Thanks so much for having me, guys, and thanks for bearing with me whilst I juggled the mini Viking tearing tearing around my office. No, we we um, like the chaos it made. <laughs> gives us we some. Show him this video in in twenty years' time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>